This morning we're getting into our series called Core Value, Core Value series, and um, it's going to be a little bit fun. I am taking a vacation in two weeks, don't be disappointed. Um, we're going to go down south and probably warm up a little bit, I guess, although today's hot. I guess it's allowing us to acclimate back there. So we'll be gone for a couple weeks and we'll have a couple of people filling in at the pulpit but we'll get back to the core values. But So this morning as we start this core value series out, it's called Being a Learner. And again, this isn't a core value that I just thought of and that, that I came up with. This is something that we collectively looked at together and wanted to say, hey, where do we want to go as a church? What are some things that we want to hold on to and cornerstone being known for these three things in our community? Because I believe that God has a strategically placed in downtown Menasha to be an evangelical church, and I won't even say that, but a charismatic church that actually reaches its community. And we had some pastors here on Wednesday that were praying for our church, and it was really a joy. They came from Appleton, and they began to just talk about our location, begin to talk about the beauty of our building and, and all these things and just the blessing that it is to be right downtown in Menasha. Sometimes I think we forget what the blessing is that we have because we just get used to it. Day in and day out. And so I was really encouraged by these pastors and I want you to know that you have a community praying for you. And praying for me, praying for the elders that really care that Cornerstone thrives, not just exists, but it thrives. And so I'm excited about our future, but one of the, the core values is being a learner. And when I think of the word learner, it doesn't really capture, so as I'm sitting down um, this week to study, and I've been pondering on this for a couple weeks and thinking about it is, um, learner probably doesn't catch it well enough. But so often we use so many words in Christianity that they just fall by the wayside. And really what the word learner could be is disciple. We are here as disciples. And as I begin to think about this, and this message is going to be a call to follow, a call to die to self-centeredness, and a call to multiply. And of course, I'm going to enjoy this subject, and I hope you do too. But as I begin to pray about it, I'm thinking, how can I twist this word learner, make it real cute, make it where everybody just grasps a hold of it and loves it. And then the Lord reminded me, it's not about cleverness of speech. It's about the truth. And although this is a core value of Cornerstone, this is a core value of Christianity. Being a disciple. There's no option of being a disciple. You either are in or out. So this morning, you're going to find yourself in three spots. You might receive the call to follow this morning. You might receive the call to die to yourself. And you will receive the call to multiply. And see, when I look at the second point, is the call to die to yourself. It never gets old because as I was looking at it, and maybe I don't need to get ahead of myself, is that I need to die to things. 
We all have areas in our lives that we need to die to in order for God to bless. But I want to talk just real briefly about a call. Every one of us have had calls in our life. Some calls are better than other calls. I want to share an awesome call. Actually, two. The first one is, it was about a week before Palm Sunday this year. You know, we've been going through different phases in church and growth. And, and somebody texted me, like right before we were getting ready to bed, for bed, and said, hey, I have an all-expense trip paid for you to go to Honolulu, Hawaii. I want you and your family to go. And you kind of, you look at that text and you're like, wait, 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 this is a scam. There's no way. And so I began, I walked up the stairs kind of giddy, because who wouldn't be giddy? And I said, honey, as she's laying there, I said, honey, look, somebody wants to pay for our trip to go to Honolulu. I don't know if it's real or not, but I'm kind of excited. And then the text said, call me. I work the night shift tonight, and it's a doctor. So, okay, he's in Oshkosh. So somebody had given his name, a, a great pastor, uh, the son-in-law of Dave, actually, in Oshkosh. And then I called the guy, and we kind of play phone tag. And I began to get really nervous because I'm like, wow, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yet I've traveled the world, but I've never been to Hawaii. And so we begin to think about it and we begin to pray about it. Well, I just had prepared a whole sermon for Palm Sunday. That's more important than going to Honolulu, kind of. And so I begin to, to struggle in this thing that's going on in our life. And I, there was something in me that just said, wow, this is something else. And then I call the guy and he says, how many children do you have? And I said, uh, you know, you're kind of like timid. Okay, okay, I think I can do something about it. I'm just like, man, thank you, Jesus. This is you. Just so you know, we didn't leave. We turned it down. But the call did something to us to just brightened our day. Let me share another call with you as I was sharing. And I know that sounds disappointing. Why didn't I go? I just didn't have no peace. That's why I didn't go. Although it was an opportunity of a lifetime, and then I texted him back and said, maybe in the future you can ask us again. He said he would. So if I just don't show up one Sunday, I'm in Hawaii. <laughs> so there's another call. I was visiting with um, Jim and Betsy, and I asked Jim if I could share this. Sorry, Betsy. <laughs> As I was sitting there, I was in their living room. We were just having a good time talking. And Jim got a call. And this call was very exciting. Can you guess what the call is? Nobody will guess what the call is because you weren't there. So I'll just go on with the sermon. Bad joke, bad joke. So they get a call from Antique Roadshow. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, this is cool. And so, and they were, I think they were very excited about it. And then Jim begins to tell me that to get a call to go to the Antique Roadshow, which is coming to Green Bay, is you're in a lottery pick. And they've put in their names before, but have never gotten the call. 
And they received the call, and they were very happy about the call. And I wonder how we think about calls. And we actually rejoiced in prayer afterwards and say, thank you, God, that they could go to the Antique Roadshow. That's pretty cool. But it's about a call. There's something more important than a call to go to Hawaii. There's something more important than a call to go to the Antique Roadshow. There's a call to follow Jesus Christ, God Himself. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. And He's calling to us and saying, Come, be my disciple. And if you go back to the experience of your salvation, experience of being born again, can you remember what that was like? I remember what it was like. Like it was yesterday, 21 years ago, but it was like it was yesterday. Jesus took me from my deep despair and my sorrow and where I was, my anger, and then He gave me something new. And then He said, come follow. And so this morning, we're going to look at a couple examples that we see in the Old Testament about following. And I think this will really encourage us this morning if we just let the Word of God come and and speak to us. And so Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. And as a former missionary, I know this Scripture very well. Because it's what we preach to try to get others to come to the field. And it's what we hold on to when God calls you to places where maybe you wouldn't have gone in the first place. So let's read through the Scriptures and I'm just going to have a couple examples this morning. So you have this man Abram and in chapter 12 of Genesis it, goes, it says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed for Haran. Now I want to just kind of explain this to you. Abram, Abraham, was not looking for the call. He was going about doing his own business. And God shows up and says, Abram, I want to bless you. And I want to make your name great, so great that all the nations will be blessed because of you. And what did Abram do? He left everything and he went and did what God was calling him to do. And God was going to do something with his life. Now if we could go to Exodus 3. So that's Abraham. I've kind of got a lot of Scripture, so we'll go through it as fast as possible. 
And then we have this guy Moses. We all know about Moses. The burning bush. And here's how it unfolds. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, when Moses looked, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. And I always, when I see scriptures like this, I always want you to know that God sees every season of your soul and all that you are going through. God knows and He hears and He cares. So as we go on, So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the, I like to call the Parasite, Um, and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with, with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now. And I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. He said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be a sign that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. So here we again, we have somebody. The God just showed up. You know, and you may think, well, are you sure he just showed up? Yes, he just showed up. And these lies weren't totally wrapped around God, and and they weren't wrapped around hearing his voice. And sometimes God speaks at the strangest of times. And in the midst of our lives, he just calls to us and says, hey, you, I want you to follow me. And for each one of us, it's different. For each one of us, it's either a big banging voice. For some of us, it's a still small voice. Some of us, it's just a longing because something in our hearts, our heart needs something. And it's God calling us. And then we jump into the New Testament and we look at the disciples, the twelve. And we won't look at scriptures this morning because we kind of know that when Jesus came by to the twelve, He said, follow me, and they left everything to follow Him. And you see, if a core value of ours is to be a learner, to be a disciple, then we have to be willing to follow. And have you ever heard that you can never have a great leader if the leader has never been willing to follow others? 
And it's so true. As each one of us, we come to that decision and we come to those decision points. Am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to do what He's asking me to do or am I not? And then I want your story connecting with His story. You see, we oftentimes look at the Bible and we separate ourselves from the Bible, but I want you to jump right into the Bible. I wish we had a chance or an opportunity to go to those cartoons from the past where they would go right into the Bible and they would begin to play out what it was like to be in that story. But I want to challenge you this morning is to let your story connect with His story. And I'm not playing on words. You see what's happening, and we'll talk about this a little bit next week, is that this Bible has become an ancient thing to the Western society. And I will have stats next week that will blow your mind how many actually read their Bible on a daily basis. And to give you a hint, from the old, older generation, I don't know, what do we call them? The boomers? They're reading the Bible, but then the Gener Xers, which are me, we're reading the Bible less, and then you get to the millennials, it's even less. You see what's happening? Bam, bam, it's getting lower and lower, but we're here to do something about that. But I want to challenge you to let your story connect with His is that He is calling you, He's calling all of us to follow Him. But what we need to do, then we need to open up our Bible and we need to again begin to believe that it is what it is and what it says it says. None of that made sense. Sorry. But so often we've connected discipleship with the sinner's prayer. We say, hey, I said a prayer and I'm in. And we're not willing to do what Jesus Christ is asking us to do. Now, did Jesus Christ ask the disciples to repent for the kingdom of heaven? Is at hand? Yes, He did. But what does this word repent mean? We know that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And that He was buried and that He rose again on the third day. We know this to be true. If you don't know it to be true, I would ask you to experience it because it changes everything. But we've equated it out of good hearts to say you say this prayer, you're in. But to be a learner, it's so much more than that. And so the second point this morning is a call to die to self-centered living. You see, Jesus is calling us. He's saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that means you need to totally turn from your old life and go and walk in a new life in Jesus Christ. And realizing you can't do that on your own. You need help. And we look at the disciples as if they were perfect men, but they were not. God called ordinary men to share an extraordinary gospel. That changed the world. So if you go with me to Mark 8, 34. And I probably could stop there, but I know you're just hanging on to every word. So we've got to go through this. And this is a lifetime 
of walking out. This isn't a Sunday that we can just say, okay, you believe this, you've got it. No way. This is way more difficult. I'm sorry. And I always bust, burst my Muslim friends like they're saying, you Christians live such a simple life. And I'm like, this is complicated. Don't say this is simple. Although it is simple. But just do what Jesus says. Easy, right? Right. Listen, here's what Jesus says. He summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a whole a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul. For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father, the holy angels. You see, we are called to die to self. This isn't some sick call. This hits at the core value of Christianity. This is the core value of Christianity. So all my young people left. I was going to call on one of them. So, Mike, you're the youth pastor. Why don't you come here real quick? I know you got a God complex, so I'm going to have you play God this morning, okay? You can come up here. You can help me juggle. So, I'll give you these balls. So, this is an illustration that I was thinking of this week, and I was going to take eggs, but eggs made me very sick, by the way. I was very sick this week because of eggs, and I've recovered somewhat, not of my madness. But I was thinking about how can we talk about life and giving our rights up to Jesus Christ? How can we do it? So Mike, these balls each represent something in our lives. So can you name anything that is of value to you? Your wife. Okay, anything else? Your career. Your future. These are all good things. So you're going to play God this morning. So everything you named, will you please give to me? I need these things. Can I have them? Please. No, this is my wife. Not your wife. You're giving me my wife. You're God. Oh, oh, oh. Well, okay. I'm not going to picture her then. Okay, please. (laughs) So, have a wife. wife. Thank you. I will hold on. I will cherish this. I will lay down my life for my wife as Christ laid down his life for the church. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to honor my wife. Okay. Career. Career. My ministry, my pastoral here. Man, I'm going to love it. I'm going to cherish it. I'm going to make sure that I do my best. I'm going to pray for you guys. I'm going to give my life for you. I'm going to give my life for Jesus. I'm going to hold on to it very carefully. Oh, just kidding. You got it. Sometimes you might feel like I do that to you, but I don't. I'm always 
caring, always. Okay. Future hopes and dreams. This is the kicker. Because Christ has called me to follow Him, and I have no clue where this will lead me. But I will cherish it, I will trust it, and I know that God has me in His hands. So thank you, God. But I want to experience something with you. These gifts are from you. Thank you for them. The Word says that every good and perfect gift is from the Father of lights. And in Him there is no turning. But listen, thank you. I've got it under control. So, are you going to ask them back? Yeah, you know what? They're really good. I like them. Do you want them back? Here you go. Nope. I got them. I got them. So why don't you try to take these things from me? Come on, man. You're God. You're God, man. Okay, you can't have them. What is my point here? Is that's what we're doing. The very gifts that God has given to the church and given to us, we are now holding on to them as if we are in control. And so we are holding on tightly. And what needs to happen is I need to say, God, you have my wife. Actually, she's your daughter, so I better treat her pretty kind. You have my pastoral here, Lord, because it's from you anyway. And Lord, my future... I trust you. Thank you. You can keep the balls right now. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Just an illustration, 1 Kings 9. And I, I don't know why I went to the Old Testament because I think they have great examples. We're going to read a story real quick about dying to self. And this is about Elijah and Elijah. So Elijah departed from there and found Elijah, the son of Japhat, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him. Actually, I'm going to read it from the screen because I like this version. It's in IV. And he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said. And now this word kiss is very strategic because what was happening is that was the honor culture then. You kissed goodbye and that means you were leaving. And he said, and then I will come with you. Go back. Elijah replied, what have I done to you? Curious statement. So Elijah left him and went back and took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Do you see something there? He took the oxen, 
He took the plow and he made a sacrifice and gave all to eat around him. Then he left. He gave up everything in order to follow Elijah. And Christ is giving us this example of the same thing that we are to do. We are to give up everything in order to follow Him. And you see, I know there are parents out here that are struggling, and I know there are people that maybe are struggling in career and finances and future. All these things we need to be able to lay at His feet. Because when we grip hold tightly, that means the Father has to come and rip those things. And why are we doing that? Why not open our hands and say, God, you can have it all. That means if you take it, you take it. I may not understand. It may hurt. It may be confusing. But he knows what he's doing. And then education. We put such a premium education and job security today. What would happen, folks, if we just said, hey, Jesus, whatever you want, I'm going to do it. And if my children do it, I'm going to bless them doing it instead of giving them trouble and sorrow. But instead, we've put idols. And God is a jealous God. He's not going to put up with that. And then we see in Hebrews 11, 24-27, And just example, I hope these are examples for you to, to look at. It's not about anything else. By faith, Moses, who we talked about, and it talked about Abraham just before then. When he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for He was looking to the reward. By faith He left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for He endured as seeing Him who is unseen. So what is your importance this morning? And then the third point this morning will be called to multiply. And just because of time, I won't get into all the scriptures that I had, but I do want to look at the one we all know is Matthew 28. And this is so important. Jesus said this to his disciples. So, we are to follow. We are to die to ourselves. And I'm telling you, when you die to yourself, you are exchanging it for something pretty cool and awesome. If I can just use that language. Although it's uncomparable. But then he says this to his followers. And he's saying this to Cornerstone. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, yes, that's what that means. 
I am with you always, even to the end of this age. So not only does he tell us to go, but he says, I am with you in it, and I will always be there with you in it. And when we talk about this thing, discipleship, when we talk about making disciples, a lot of us individually get pretty freaked out about this. Because we look at our lives and wonder, who am I? How am I reproducing myself? What am I doing? Who am I investing in? And I want you to know that there's probably more people that you're investing in than what you're thinking. But I also want to say this. I do never want to put you under guilt. But conviction. If God is making you feel something this morning, do not throw it away as guilt. Throw it away as conviction. Because this is what Jesus said. Go and make disciples. But if you aren't willing to follow, if you're not willing to die to yourself, then please don't make disciples. Because already those disciples have been made. And it's messy. But here's the deal. As Cornerstone Church, we are making disciples together. You will make disciples as an individual. You need to. But as a church and a corporate body and a corporate community here, we are going to do this together. How are we going to do this together? We're going to continue to do the programs that we're doing, but we're going to do them well. We're going to continue to make the Bible at the very center of all that we teach and not man's opinion. And we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to have His way in our lives and in our homes and in our church. And we will refuse to live this life for ourselves. This is our core value. This is who we are as a church. And I think... We're not alone. We've forgotten what it means to be a follower. But we need to come back to that place. If you hear a call this morning, Jesus is calling. If you've got something in your life that you're not willing to let go, Jesus is asking you to lay it down at the cross. He's got something better for you. Go and make disciples. So if the worship team could come this morning. So we didn't do it last week. We're going to do it this week. We're going to do communion. And how we do communion here is open communion. Everybody is welcome to partake. One thing we do ask that your life is under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's all we ask. This morning as we do worship this morning, I want to have you consider two things. If you'd stand with me. Is the first one is going to be, how does this message apply to me? As an individual, but also as a family, your own family. How can we walk this out to be a follower? To die to myself? then to make other disciples. That's the first thing I want you to ponder.
The second thing I want you to ponder this morning before you come for communion is that Jesus Christ, He died for you. We all make mistakes. We all have failures. But there is one who has pledged your case in front of the Father, and that's Jesus Christ and His blood. And that's why we do this. That's why we take of the bread. His body was broken for us. And His blood was shed for us for a new covenant. He made a covenant with us. So I'll read from the words of Paul and then we're going to worship together. And as you feel you're ready to take communion, please come forward. And if you can't, there'll be people to bring communion to you. It says, For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which He was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this morning as you come, just take a cup and bread and you, you're going to take it on your own or with your family or however you want to do it. And then, so please come.